I have in the studio with me Brad Robbins, Casey Elliott, Bradley Quinn Lever, formerly known as Gentry. And we are really grateful to have you guys back here. And I know through the talk of the campus, everyone's just excited about the show tomorrow. It's going to be great. Uh, I know that you guys met in a theater performance, right? And initially, what or who uh, motivated all three of you to uh, do stage performance? Well, before we jump into that, we'll just say we love coming to Rexburg. Mm-hmm. This was this was one of the the first stops in our early days. We've been together as a group for eight years now, mm-hmm. and I remember performing. Um, we barely had enough material in our repertoire to like fill a ninety minute set, and um, it was at the the Kirkham Auditorium. Is that a? Oh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, did a couple of shows there, and then a few years later came back. And the last time we were here was over at the Hart Auditorium. And just every single time, we're reminded why this is one of the coolest places to play. Like the oh. audiences are so amazing, um, and I think I think oftentimes audiences underestimate how much we as performers feed off of that love and that energy that they give. Mm-hmm. And Rexburg always brings it. So we're so glad to be back. But in terms of you know how we met and came to be, uh, actually it all stems back to a, a conversation at Casey's home and an idea from his wife. Yeah, it's never too late to start a boy band. <laughs> <laughs> which, which to make ourselves feel better, we call a man band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we were uh, playing games at my house. This was during uh, Les Miserables. In 2014, and my wife had just gone to another event where she saw a music group perform, kind of a, a boy band type thing. And uh, she was like, "Oh, you guys should, you guys should do that. You should form a group and thing like sing like theater stuff." And and uh, we kind of like laughed it off initially, <clears throat> but the more we thought about it, it, was like actually that would be really fun. And I think our original idea was let's just sing theater music, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what our world was. Yep. But uh, and w- we we had we knew Stephen Nelson um, individually from different things through the years, and so we called him and got him involved. Had to kind of twist his arm a little bit, you know. Think about how that call went. I was like, "Hey, we're like thirty, and uh, we want to start a boy band. Are you in or not?" <laughs> And his answer, he was like, uh, how can I get rid of these guys fast, fast, like super fast? He was like, okay, I'll do one arrangement for you and and they'll just go away and this will fizzle out. And so he did. He did one arrangement of Till I Hear You Sing. Yes. Which is like an obscure theater song. Like the second Phantom of the Opera. Which in hindsight, it's like, it's so funny because our, like, we weren't thinking big at that point we we're just thinking like oh we just want to sing stuff we like to sing yeah and, but we did it and and he was like he was like wow this actually this could work this works <laughs> so I he did it. another arrangement and then another one and after you know a few a few arrangements he he kind of caught the vision and we we all kind of caught it i think it all mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. it uh we we had gone to a symphony event a symphony concert with pink martini mm-hmm. and during that concert, it was like, oh, this, this like combination of pop or this fusion of jazz and symphony is actually really kind of interesting. Mm. And so that's where we came up with this idea of cinematic pop. 
and kind of like going down that road versus like a theater only road, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, what makes up cinematic pop? Well, the one way we describe it is is uh, if our music doesn't make you want to run through a wall or cry like a baby, it hasn't done its job. <laughs> or, okay. bo- or both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While holding a baby. <laughs> we wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's like, I mean, we, again, we come from the theater world, right? So yeah. it's like, it's theatrical, it's, it's emotional, it's epic. Um, the very first song we wrote was called Dare, and it, you know, it sounds like it could be straight out of Tron or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, we, we like manly music. We like to cry to our music. Like, <laughs> we kind of like it all. Well, and I think it, it highlights, you know, we mentioned Stephen Nelson. He's our, for those that don't know, really the fourth member of Gentry. Our composer, music director, um, performs on stage as our accompanist during the shows. And he, he not only was a brilliant arranger and composer, but he had this passion for film scoring specifically. So you ask, why cinematic pop? Yeah. Because a lot of people when they maybe aren't musical and they, they have a hard time articulating what it is they hear, they're like, wow, this sounds like it's like from a movie. And like, that's very intentional. It's a very cinematic orchestral style that is, that is really calculated to evoke emotion. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people, one of the most common comments we get are like, I, I came to your show and I was just, I was so moved. And it's like that we know we're doing our job when those are the kind of comments we're getting. Absolutely. And I realized one thing that Steven Nelson does well and what you guys have worked with him with uh, many times is mashing up different songs or two mm-hmm. different songs together. Can you guys like explain that process, seeing him work into that? Oh, I think it's important to note that one of the first things that Steven Nelson said to us was, I will not travel. <laughs> yeah, didn't want to perform on I, stage. I don't want to perform on stage, and I don't want to do any bits <laughs> on stage. Yeah, and the movie medley game is exactly oh, that. It, it's the antithesis of everything he didn't want to begin with, yeah. but it's become a staple of the show. We call it the movie medley game, <laughs> and it's you know it's something again going back to our early days. We added to the show as a way to fill time because we didn't even have enough songs to fill a full set. So Stephen's like, well you know, we could take a movie score and maybe a popular song and I'll like mash them together. Like, okay. Wow. And we tried it and audience just went nuts for it. And every single time, like it's never planned. It's always random. There have literally been times where he's never heard the film score or he's not familiar with the popular song. So he has to pull it out on YouTube. So we're hopeful we have internet so we can look up mm-hmm. the song. Mm-hmm. He'll listen to it for a few seconds, noodle around, and then boom, he's got this incredible mashup it's it's truly mind-blowing to yeah, watch it is wow. and he brought it upon himself <laughs> <laughs> you did this to yourself because <laughs> i get nervous for him it it's really quite remarkable what he's able to do up there amazing super talented so uh how did the name gentry come to be hmm it came after about 800 other bad names. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> this painstaking process. So what did it start with? <laughs> oh, oh, man. It's too embarrassing to even say. We, we had a spreadsheet, you know, no of like all the different, because we were just like, well, just, let's just keep like throwing names out there. And so this went on for weeks. Yeah. And it was things like the lead men. <laughs> I had a friend that seriously looked at me and said, oh, I got it. I got the perfect name. The best. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know that that saying, like, there's no bad ideas? Yeah. No, there's bad ideas. <laughs> and we had hundreds of them. We have a spreadsheet to prove it. <laughs> it's like the the the, the, the uh, O'Neaters. No, it's the wonders. Yeah. <laughs> the best. Well, so oh, so gosh. after we had gone through like a couple of weeks of just filling out this spreadsheet with just any idea we could think of, I was um, I was in bed one night. I had my computer open. My wife was sitting next to me, and I was you know just typing out whatever name. I went into the bathroom to brush my teeth, and had had been expressing like the frustration of coming up with the group name because so much kind of rides on the name and the brand of it, right? And as I'm brushing my teeth, she just was like scrolling Instagram. She looks over at me and she's like, well, why don't you just call the group Gentry short for the gentleman trio? And like, I'm pretty sure I like spit the toothpaste out, like all over the mirror, just like in frustration. Like, really? Yeah. Like we've been trying for weeks and you're just going to say that just and come that's up the with name? a genius idea. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, okay. But no, it, I, I think for all of us, it was just like, it was immediate. Yeah, that's it. Was it. Like, yep. There it is. Love it. So. We all know during COVID, everything came to a complete stop, right? Imagine uh, your touring stops and everything like that. What did you guys do in your spare time? And, like, uh, how does it feel to be on tour again, like, when you got that call saying, like, hey, it's time to go again? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. Well, during uh, during COVID, so when COVID hit, everything shut down. Of course, all live entertainment was was shut down, and it was fascinating to watch it roll out. It was like one thing. I remember the the night we were actually in the recording studio when a jazz game mm-hmm. was canceled. Got canceled. Yeah, and then we just literally watched everything start to like get in the canceled next week. and postponed. It was it was it insane. was kind of kind of a scary time yeah. to to know what was going to happen. So. Absolutely. If you fast forward, uh, I don't know, it was probably six months or so from from that point, um, we had this this opportunity to actually do our Christmas show, not at the in Salt Lake City, not at the Eccles Theater downtown, but at the Maverick Center because they the county got a grant and they had kind of this permission from the health department to do a socially distanced concert. And so we didn't think we were going to, do a Christmas show that year, but this was like our Christmas miracle. We we had about 1,200, 1,400 people or something like that in the Maverick Center, all spaced out. You know, it seats 10,000 people, but that was the max that they could fit in mm-hmm. the space. We did two shows and masks on, you know, and it was, we, we talk about the show a lot because it was sort of that like, this could be the last time we do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the whole world was just upside down. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And so it was it was a really special experience um, to be able to get to do that. And then during that show, we actually announced to the audience that we were going to be doing um, in in the following year, 2021, Les Miserables, which mm. was so cool because that's the show that we met in yeah. um, in 2014. And Hell Center Theater in Salt Lake somehow got the rights to do that show. They were the only theater in the entire world able to do it. All the tours were shut down, Broadway, West End, and because they were able to be open, even though it was, you know, limited capacity and masks and all that, they were the only theater in the world to have it. And so for us, that was like super special because that that show not only is our favorite musical, but it's a show that brought us together. That is super sweet. So like in this whole heart of COVID, you guys were still able to perform and do what you love. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
What about you guys? What did you guys do in your spare time and leading up to that point? Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of summed it up. I mean, that, that little Christmas miracle, um, I think, I think did a couple things. Number one, it reminded us never again will we ever take for granted being on a stage because it's, it's part of who we are. It's what we, we feel we were born to do. And, and to, to temporarily have that taken away was uh, a really difficult thing to cope with. You know, something, I mean, just imagine, like, think about the thing you love doing more than anything in the world, and then it's just taken away from you, and you don't know if you're ever getting it back. It also, I think, collectively as a group, helped us to focus in on what the Christmas season means for Gentry. You know, we perform all, all year long, and we love every time we get to go do a show, but Christmas just means more. I think it's, it's just one of those performances that we never tire of doing, no matter how many times we, we set on stage to do it. So that was cool. And then as Casey said, I mean, you know, that, that run of Les Mis was a six-month commitment between rehearsals and then the actual run itself. I mean, I think collectively between the two casts, we did over 140 shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they could have probably kept that show going for months afterwards and still continued to sell out uh, between just the the insatiable appetite people had to get back out and go to events. And then of course the emotional nature of that beautiful story. But that really was the thing that, that kind of kept us busy and, and in a way kept Gentry relevant in the minds of those that, you know, were all dealing with their own stuff through COVID. So it was, it was a very special time. We feel extremely fortunate to have Mm -hmm. had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, Definitely sounds like a blessing. So what's in um, what's new in the world of Gentry? Are you guys doing any projects right now? Yeah, we're working on Christmas for next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's never job. too People soon to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly well, for right. this year, I mean, we we always um, we always like to bring something new and fresh to our Christmas season. So. This uh, one, one thing we look forward to every year is our big Christmas music video release. So we produced a beautiful video around Silent Night, which has a special place in our history. It was actually the very first recorded arrangement we ever released back in 2014. And so to get to do a video to that eight years later was really special. But we had an unexpected opportunity to produce and release another video around an original song that Casey co-wrote with a few others. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, so Emily Bell Freeman um, is a, a popular author and and uh, and speaker, and then uh, Chase Walker and Steven Nelson, so um, we all wrote this song, and, and um, Emily has this connection to the chosen uh, creators, That's and awesome. so she reached out, uh, we weren't planning on doing a video, but she reached out and said, hey, I have this idea for a video. I have this connection. I think it could work. And, you know, our first reaction is, oh, we're just so slammed with getting this tour up. And we just did this huge, you know, Silent Night video. And we're a week away from yeah. the start of the tour. Right. Oh, wow. And, and but she was like, you know, trust me, it'll be it'll be easy. She went through and like and uh, earmarked all the timestamps in the chosen episode that she thought would work. And so she kind of did some of the heavy lifting and and we did it. We pulled it together and it actually turned out so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the imagery fits so perfectly with the lyrics of the song and the feeling of the song. And the reception has been amazing. Like um, in our show, we actually, one of the things we do is we sing, we, we sing that song, but we include the audience. 
Um, so they, they join us and there's just that like connection, that level of connection that you experience with an audience when that happens. And just, it's a beautiful moment. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's another one of those moments where we are reminded how God's hand has been in this group, watching over us and placing the pieces together for us. It's like things like that shouldn't have been able to come together that soon. Mm -hmm. Um, The name of Gentry shouldn't have been able to just roll off your wife's tongue like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Les Mis definitely shouldn't have happened during (laughs) the middle of a pandemic. So Mm -hmm. we're just... Ultimately grateful, so full of gratitude yeah. for uh, for God, really. Yeah, I love that, and I know you guys all have a firm uh, testimony on uh, of Jesus Christ. Um, how has that influenced you guys in the type of music that you produce and the songs you choose to sing? Well, speaking of Christmas specifically, I think that's probably the most obvious place to start. Right? I mean, every every arrangement we do is Christ-centered. I mean, that's what Christmas is about. And what what has been most interesting and, and really exciting uh, for me personally, and I know other guys would echo this sentiment as well, is that um, we, we, we can go out and, and share Christ-centered Christmas music, and the audiences have been responding so great. Um, you know, this year we're fo- primarily focused on the Intermountain West, but we've, we've taken this show all over the country in years past. And, and, and in all all instances. It's been a really positive reception. Um, we get comments like, I'm, I'm so grateful that your Christmas show was so focused on the Savior. And and to us, I mean, initially, that was kind of a weird comment. It's like, well, duh, like, of course it is. It's like, mm. it's Christmas. But as we started to kind of look around at the Christmas landscape, and there's some incredible shows out there, yeah. you know, uh, but but we we are kind of uniquely positioned as a very Christ-centered show. And I think that just again, going back to your comment, stems from what we believe and, and what we love. And it's just more or less a reflection of, of that. And so we're, we're frankly honored to have been given the opportunity, or, or as BQ put it, blessed with the opportunity from on high to like get to be in a position to do that. And it's something that we, we take very seriously and something that is extremely satisfying because, you know, at a certain point, being a musician becomes a job just like anything else. But the thing that's unique about Christmas is we get to experience right alongside the audience as we as we rediscover those songs every time we sing them. So it's it's really really unique and special. Yeah, and and uh, we get this question a lot of like, oh, isn't it hard to be gone so much during the holidays and be on tour? And and I I don't know, like I think we can all agree we we love it. I mean, just the the tradition of you know, and, and this, the specialness of being able to sing this music and share these messages throughout the entire holiday season. Like, I feel like we have, we have it better, you know, because we get to enjoy this music and these messages day after day leading up to Christmas. It just makes it that much more special. When you think about how, how busy this time of year is, and most of us just blow through the holidays, and then we realize it's like December 21st. We're like, oh crap, we haven't celebrated. We haven't done anything. And yet, Every night we step on stage, we are we are celebrating to the fullest for two hours, you know whether we like to or not because it's like we're booked, we got to do it right. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the beauty of it is like I feel like I get to celebrate more because of that. Mm. And then when when our families come with us on tour, it makes it even that much more special. That is awesome. I was just about to ask that. How often are you guys able to bring your families on tour or in? 
you know, if there's like a show on Christmas that you're doing, do you guys celebrate like a day before or something like that? Yeah, I was going to say, well, I've been lucky this year to bring my wife and my little puppy along. Oh, awesome. <laughs> We're kind of a small family, so it works that way. Uh, and that's been really, really special. Uh, it just brings a support that uh, that I never knew that I could have. Um, and and it's, there's nothing like a little puppy running towards you after the, <laughs> the end of a show. <laughs> oh, yeah. And these two are the best puppy uncles <laughs> around. She's the cutest little thing I've ever seen. You know, and, and, and Brad's wife, you guys just had a baby. so Yeah, we had a little baby, and so... She she's a little more limited on on when she gets to get out, but we've got an amazing support system back home. So she she kind of comes in and out of the tour based on, you know, her ab- ability to get away. Um, but it, it, it's awesome, and then it, it really is. I mean, we call it the Gentry family, yeah, and that's that's what family. it is. Yeah, I've got four kids, and from from ten to seventeen, so they're either in the show at some point or working merch. <laughs> So, oh, we, yeah. we made a Put joke. The work. Put that, the that's work. how yeah. our family sees us. They either work the show or they're in it. And, and one of the best part about all of this yeah. is that we all like each other. Oh, I love that. <laughs> no, yeah. seriously, that's it, important. That's the only yeah. way it works. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, it's it is a family. Yeah. We, yeah, we like being around each other. And so it's fun. It's just as much of a tradition for us as the people we perform for. I love that. What's a favorite um, project, album, song that you guys have done together? Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. You know, I mean, I'll just I'll speak for myself. I think Christmas is probably at the top of the list. Obviously, it's just so much of what we do. But uh, we were just talking last night about our hymns album, mm-hmm. and we we don't get to perform that music very often. We we do it in firesides and and things like that, and we might you know sing a hymn in our in our kind of main main uh, secular show just to kind of throw one in there, but. Um, but yeah, like orchestrally, we've never really performed that music with an orchestra like it, like it's done on the album. So we're, we're kind of in the beginning stages of trying to figure out how to bring that music to life on stage live with a full symphony. Mm. And, uh, we're, we're excited about that because it's just, it's such beautiful music, such beautiful arrangements. I think I would agree the hymns album has a grandeur to it. Yeah. Steven's arrangements have just, I don't know, they just transcend on that particular album. They're always amazing, but there's something extra special. And I will just put the little bug in BYU-Idaho's ear right now that maybe maybe this might be an opportunity to come back Oh yeah. to perform with the choir and orchestra yeah, and, the hymn and, stuff. and do mm. the hymn stuff. Mm-hmm. Who knows? That would be sweet. What can we expect from the show tomorrow? Mm. Is it going to be something? A lot of dancing from Casey Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Oh, yes. Is he the dancer of the group? <laughs> no, no, I'm you not. Can't stop the music. But that doesn't stop me. <laughs> well, so there, there's been a lot of talk about these arrangements and, and kind of the emotional and cinematic nature of them. And I think nothing brings them to life more than a live orchestra and a live choir. You know, together with obviously the three of us there, it's, um, I, I would say that's like one of the most ideal setups to experience the fullness of the music. And we were, we were in rehearsal last night and, you know, got to kind of experience it ourselves for the first time. And, and I, I think that's, you know, that's maybe the way to sum it up. Like what, what can people expect? They're going to, they're going to hear some, what we call gentrified versions of, 
you know, very timeless, classic Christmas songs like Do You Hear What I Hear, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, uh, Oh Come All You Faithful, but it's going to be done in a way that I think will we'll reimagine these songs for people in a lot of ways, especially if they've never heard the arrangements done and done in a setting quite like this. I mean, that, that building is magnificent. Mm-hmm. Really and, is. and we've performed in some big venues, but, but still to set foot on that stage and look out there and then even, even like start to mentally prepare, like there's going to be people in every one of those seats. It's going to be an incredible experience for everyone on and off stage. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard there's like at least two people that will be there tomorrow your wife and puppy yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think the the number was like last time we heard like about ten thousand people out there tomorrow oh my goodness so we're we're extremely excited for that opportunity to to feel connected to to all the great people of idaho yes there we go yeah now i i concur like i like i said everyone's super excited that i've talked about and your uh, name has been mentioned many times throughout the hallways here, so we're really lucky to have you guys here again. Thank you. Uh, what's the, the message you guys hope to uh, convey or give to your audience as they attend your shows? Should we just go down the line and individually say? <clears throat> yeah, because I mean, depending on on which part of the show we're talking about, I think I think there's different um, different ones. So I'll I'll start out, um, you know, just just to touch on one aspect of the show. So one one thing that was um, a little unexpected, but I'm so grateful um, we were we were kind of call it made aware or um, came to the own realization ourselves was the holidays can be a really painful time for a lot of people, um, which, which is a little counterintuitive when you consider that it's such a joyous time. It's I mean, the most wonderful time of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And yet we, we have a song in our set that I'm so glad we're doing here uh, tomorrow uh, called Somewhere in Your Silent Night. It's, uh, it's a little less well-known song. It was actually originated by a group called the Casting Crowns. They're a Christian rock group, and then we kind of put our own spin on it. But it, it kind of talks about the the pain, the hurt, and the heartache that accompany this time of year for a lot of people who have lost loved ones, who have gone through difficult experiences and trials. And, you know, in spite of that, uh, there's this this thing that, that we say, it's, it's in the, the deep darkness of quiet desperation that the miracle of Christmas can shine most brightly. And I just love that contrast that, you know, I mean, that's just, a, that's an eternal principle right there, right? That, that, you know, opposition in all things so that we experience great sorrow so that we may know exquisite joy. And I think that that principle manifests itself during Christmas probably, you know, as, as much as any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'll just yeah. echo that. That was beautifully said. Um, mic drop. I would drop this mic, but I won't. <laughs> Please don't. It's enormous. It's really expensive. Please don't drop that microphone. Um I'll just add to that that uh, what I'm feeling up there is what I'm trying to communicate is that every single person in the audience is is never alone. We are never alone. We are so loved. And uh, there's great strength in knowing that truth. We're never alone. He's always there for us to lift us and to to strengthen us. And um, yeah, that's what I feel through the through the music. Yeah, um, 
we we tell this this beautiful story in our show about um, that, that happened in World War II, and I won't go into it, but it I think one of the themes of the story is that um, that God's light, Christ's light, can find us wherever we are. And along those lines, you know, the, like our show and uh, for years, and we even have a song called Finding Christmas, like that was the the title that we were drawn to for, for a while. And just that idea of finding Christmas, I think it goes both ways. You know, like we, as we search for it, um, we will find it, but it will also find us. Like the light of Christ is just, it's more prevalent this time of year. You know, and if we just open up our hearts, I think it will find us and and touch our souls. And so that's, uh, I think, uh, one of our hopes is that people can just leave our show feeling filled, you know, um, feeling spiritually nourished and feeling closer to the light that is this season. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was all beautiful. Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, is there any venues, and I know you guys even toured internationally, is there any places or venues you guys haven't performed that you really want to do? The Royal performer? Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. Yes. Royal Albert Hall. I want to go there. And uh, Carnegie Hall. Ooh, yes. The BYUI Center. Yes. Oh, man, that is a great place. <laughs> I've heard of that. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> it's... Pretty spectacular. It is, it is. Amazing. It is. The Coliseum would be amazing. <laughs> um, I almost pulled a Michael Scott and said, YouTube. <laughs> Anybody know anyone there? <laughs> you know what's interesting though about that question? It's a great question. We've we we hear it, you know, often and we ask ourselves that same question, but if you ask us, I think we would all agree on this, but it's like, well, where's your, what's your favorite performance or where's your favorite place to perform? It's probably not what you think. Like a lot of times it's just the, those intimate experiences that you have, you know, where it's not about the size of the venue. It could be in somebody's living room, frankly, mm-hmm. but it's just like, it's more about connection. Like where have you experienced connection with the people that you perform for. And that kind of goes back to this, this COVID conversation where we realize like ma- making music is great, but it's, there's a, it's a two way street, you know, like it's a, there's the giver of the music and the receiver of the music. And that equation isn't complete unless both sides are there. Mm. And so I think we've had these like really special experiences where we've just really felt the connection with, with other individuals that's facilitated by the music and, that that to me and I think to all of us has been like, you know, the most special, M- more than the venue itself, you know. Yeah, there's definitely a special power and energy uh, in those intimate shows. And yeah, I agree. Thanks. Uh, do you guys want to do any shameless plugging? Anything coming up? Anything you want to yes. let? Take it away, Brad. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one thing we're actually really excited about this is this is something we've never done before, but we're we're going on a cruise in May. No way. Uh, we've partnered with Royal Caribbean. We're going on a 12-day Mediterranean and Holy Land cruise, and um, we're we're porting out of Rome, Italy. We're going to be going to places like Athens, Greece, and uh, Turkey, and uh, the Holy Land, obviously. And so we're going to be doing a couple of performances on the ship. 
Uh, it's gonna. I think it's the Odyssey of the Seas, which is their biggest class of ship. It's like the one with the big slide that you've seen in the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we're gonna be doing a, a sacred fireside in in the Holy Land. I think in Galilee is where mm-hmm. we're doing it. Oh and you know, going back goodness. to that 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 uh, sacred music that we have, like we're excited to get to perform some of it there, and it's gonna be a, a once in a lifetime experience. And the other thing that's really cool about that is. Um, we're doing it in partnership with a, with a charity. Um, the proceeds from the ticket sales for this Gentry experience as part of the cruise will go to fund uh, cancer research. Um, that's, that's something that you know, means a lot to our group, either has, has personally affected us or, or those that we know and, um, and love. So it, it's going to be a just all-around really, really cool thing that we're, we're looking forward to May of 2023 to do that. Where, where can people go to... Yeah, so our social media would probably be the best place. That'll kind of direct you where you need to go. Um, Yep, there's a couple of pins on on Instagram that you can can find the information for. Morris Murdoch, is that? Morris Columbus Travel. Morris Columbus Travel, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Give give them a call and they have all the detail. uh, And they'll be able to to point you in the right direction. Right. Yeah, love that. And you guys have your website, of course, right? Yeah, that's right. Gentrymusic.com. Is it on our website? Might not be. No, it's not. Should be. Yeah. Will be. Will be. Will be. <laughs> By the time you hear this, it will be on the website. <laughs> Probably will be. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you guys for coming in uh, once again. And it is incredible to have you guys here. Uh, Gentry is very, uh, something very special to this campus and to the people or to the students who uh, attend here. And like I said, I can't thank you guys enough for coming in for the interview, and I can't wait for the performance tomorrow. Thank you. Well, yeah, thank, thank you, you for so having us. Much. Pleasure to be here. Indeed.